This podcast is brought to you by Erickson Immigration Group. On November 2nd, DHS proposed H-1B rule changes that would eliminate the current random-generated selection of H-1B CAP registrations and instead would replace the selection process based on wage levels. First, beginning with prioritizing wage level 4 and working in descending order to wage levels 3, 2, and 1. To talk about this potential policy change is Erickson Immigration Group attorney Crystal Kears. I'm Ian Gaines. Come join us Beyond Borders. Recently on November 2nd, DHS proposed additional H-1B rule changes. Um, So tell us what's new, what's being taken out, and what may it be replaced with? Of course. Yeah. So uh, DHS, Department of Homeland Security, issued this rule. It's a proposed rule right now uh, on November 2nd. And what it's proposing to do is changing the way in which H-1B cap subject petitions are selected during the lottery process. Every fiscal year, there's 85,000 H-1B visas available for individuals who have never previously held H-1B status before. And 65,000 of those are reserved for individuals with at least a bachelor's degree or its equivalent. And then 20,000 are reserved for what we call advanced degree holders. So you have to have at least a a master's degree. Um, And in 2005, USCIS introduced a random selection process because there was um, an influx of H-1B cap subject petitions. And they had to figure out a way to deal with uh, receiving multiple H-1B petitions in a singular day. And then at the same time, meeting that statutory quota. So this random selection process has been used consistently since the fiscal year of 2013, where we saw the cap being met in the first five days of filing. Um, And so it's been used ever since then. And in 2019, uh, DHS released a new rule, which it changed the way in which uh, this lottery system worked. So the first thing that it did is it switched the selection order, meaning first uh, USCIS will select the regular cap cases, which is under that 65,000 visa number. And then then they will go ahead and separate all the advanced degree holders and select from there. That was uh, a switch in the order. Previously, they had done the master's cap first, and then they had done the regular cap. This has resulted in a slight uptick of master's degree holders being selected in the H-1B cap, which DHS said, you know, is more in line with congressional intent when you're looking at the H-1B visa. Uh, So that's the way in which, uh, you know, it was done up until last year, where this new rule opposed and published in 2019 introduce this pre-registration period, meaning prior to actually filing your H-1B cap subject petition, first you have to complete a pre-registration under which USCIS will then select the lottery from. It really streamlined the process. It made it a lot more efficient just because now you wouldn't have to submit a full petition for a case that would likely be rejected. Instead, it was a fairly simple registration process. And then you had a filing period under which you filed the new uh, the cap subject uh, petition. So that's what the current system looks like. So under this proposed rule, uh, the Department of Homeland Security is suggesting that we remove the random selection process altogether and we go towards a wage level selection process, meaning uh, whether it be the registration process or we have to submit the H-1B petitions because USCIS does have the discretion to suspend the registration process in any fiscal year, 
instead of just doing a computer generated selection, they would instead select from wage level starting at wage level four and then going down to wage level three, two, and then one. And these wage levels are based on the occupational employment statistics, what we call the OES wage levels. It's a government run wage data resource that's used uh, for the H-1B program and also for some of the green card programs that we use. Got it. And they're also considering a, a weight-based selection process as well, like weighting the higher wages, correct? That's correct. So they're they're seeking comments on this. So the comment is open until December 2nd. And what they're asking is after the, you know, explaining what their suggested changes are, they are asking for comment on to another alternative solution, which is a weighted system, meaning wage level falls under the OES wage level four, you would get four times the chance of being selected than somebody under the wage level one. And what's really important to note here is that when we're looking at these wage levels, they're basing this purely on this OES wage data. And currently you can, you're not required to use the OES wage data to show that the employer is meeting the prevailing wage requirements for the H-1B visa. Meaning there are alternative wage surveys that you can use under the regulations, but this rule says no matter what the wage level says in those alternative wage surveys, what we're gonna do is we're gonna base it on the corresponding OES wage level. What is also particularly important to note is that prior to this rule being published, this proposed rule being published, the Department of Labor actually issued an interim final rule, which skipped notice and comment period, which increased all of these OES wage levels on average 30%, but some occupations went up as high as 50%. So we saw a huge increase in all of these wage levels. And now we have this proposed rule saying, we're gonna use these new wage levels to determine who is selected for the H-1B visa, uh, H-1B cap selection process, which essentially rules out all entry level positions. Under the proposed impact of this rule. Uh, DHS estimates not a single H-1B cap registration or petition filed under wage level one will be selected. That just won't happen under this. We get so many filings in in excess of the quota that they don't anticipate that anyone is going to be selected in in, in wage level one. And then if you're looking at wage level two, if you're an advanced degree holder, you have a 20% chance of being selected. And then as a regular cap, you only have a 75% chance of being selected. And even with those projections, uh, DHS has noted that what we'll likely see if this makes it to a final rule is that H-1B employers will actually increase the wages of these cap subject beneficiaries so that they would be selected in the cap process. Um, so those numbers might be skewed. We might have a significant higher amount of applicants filed under wage levels three and four in an effort to be selected in the H-1B cap process. Right. So that actually touches upon potential unintended consequences like of these measures. Are there any projected costs that's associated with this as well or anything else that you see? So there are projected costs. I will say that the uh, DHS did not, in my opinion, take a hard enough look at the the potential costs that this is going to Mm -hmm. result in. So what they're currently estimating is that in the first year that this could be implemented, they're looking at $20 million for uh, petitioners. And then over the span of 10 years, we're looking in excess of $158 million. And Mm. the thing with that is that all they're counting in there is the additional time it takes for petitioners to determine which 
corresponding OES wage level the H-1B beneficiary would fall under. And then also a familiarization cost uh, for learning the new form and the new process that's required under this. What they're not taking into account, but which they do note would likely be costs as a result of this rule, uh, are these unquantifiable costs of petitioners having to, quite frankly, find new workers and settling for workers who are not actually qualified for the position because their preferred applicant ran out of visa options, which generally is the H-1B visa. Um, so there are all of these quantified costs that they allude to and they mention in the rule, but they don't actually break it down. They say that's just too difficult of a number uh, to quantify. And, and also what they failed to quantify is the cost to the U.S. government. Uh, and in fact, what they was because USCIS is a fee-based agency, meaning there is a filing fee associated with these H-1B cap subject petitions, that all USCIS has to do is raise the, the price to file this petition to cover any additional costs of the federal government. So that may mean that we'll see an increase in filing fees for H-1B cap subject petitions, um, but they didn't go through that full analysis to actually look at what are those costs. Of right. Um, and you may have touched upon this, you know, throughout this conversation, but stepping back, why does DHS find this to be necessary to implement in the first place, right? What, what's their purpose for these changes? Right. So their purpose, what they're, what they're trying to say is that they, they want to devise a selection process that fits more in line with congressional intent meaning that the H-1B visa is, is meant for highly skilled workers and then it shouldn't be given to those who don't meet that standard. The more an H-1B beneficiary is paid, the more likely they are to have better skills than someone who's, who's paid less than them. That's essentially the basis of their argument here is that the more you pay them, they, they must be more valuable to the employer. Yeah, getting the best and brightest. Exactly. And, and right. So it goes back to uh, President Trump's, you know, buy American, hire American of, of finding the best and the brightest and the, and the highest paid H-1B beneficiaries. And then looking obviously at the, the current pandemic going on and, and the rate of unemployment for U.S. workers. If you're looking at the, the DHS's reasoning, is they're basing a lot of this on this case called Walker Macy versus uh, USCIS. It was a, a case out of the district court in Oregon, and it was a challenge to USCIS's random selection process. It fell on how, how do we define what is a filed H-1B petition? Because the regulation states that H-1B visas under the quota will be given in the order in which they're filed. And so the um, plaintiff in that case tried to allege that the lottery selection is not fair. And in fact, we should look at how they're actually delivered to USCIS. Ultimately, the court decided what filed meant in the, in the statute was the point in the process at which USCIS has taken the petition and put it in their system. So what DHS is saying is that this court case allows full discretion to USCIS to decide which cases make it into their system and which cases don't. Uh, I feel that that is broad uh, understanding of that case, um, particularly because the court found that Deciding between what petitions are physically delivered to the USCIS office versus doing a random selection, no one of those options is more arbitrary than the other. And in fact, 
in uh, the H-1B rule that created the, the pre-registration process, DHS actually admitted that to select subject beneficiaries it, using anything other than their education level, meaning whether or not they fall under the uh, regular cap versus the master's cap, would, would require a statutory change and would be inconsistent with uh, congressional intent. So here we are a year later, DHS to say, just kidding, we didn't mean that. Uh, in fact, this case actually gives us full discretion to decide which cases make it into the cap lottery. Wow. I feel people are going to argue on, on both ends, but... Uh, Without for, a shadow Yeah. <laughs> um, but for practitioners and applicants, mm -hmm. what will you see will be the changes procedurally uh, if this goes in, into place? I expect that there will be changes in the way in which petitioners uh, approach the H-1B cap lottery, particularly in, in the way in which they compensate H-1B beneficiaries, because it's unlikely under the if this were to make it to a final rule that wage level one beneficiaries would be selected at all. So we may see a decrease in filings altogether because petitioners decide that it's simply not worth it to put forth that registration. Uh, or we'll see an influx in wage level three and wage level four um, uh, registrations or, or petitions. Um, and, that, and that is interesting. And, and that brings two further notes that I, I want to mention is that one, in this rule, DHS essentially is allowing US petitioners to purchase an H-1B cap subject uh, spot uh, because they specifically state even if, uh, even if a, the position that a petitioner is going to file for an H-1B beneficiary should fall under a wage level that looks at you know, the education, the experience and the skills required for the position, if a petitioner, in fact, still wants to compensate that beneficiary under what would fall under a wage level four, for the purposes of a selection, we will count that as a wage level four selection. So they're essentially saying, look, you can go ahead and just pay them an outrageous amount, and then you can probably get an H-1B selection spot. And there's no, there's no issue with that. Um, and then they also note that they are not going to allow petitioners to file subsequently new, newly filed or amended H-1B uh, petitions to decrease the beneficiary salary, meaning you can't submit an outrageously high salary just for the purpose of getting an H-1B selection and then turn around once they've been selected and amend the petition to decrease their salary to circumvent this new rule. Um, not only is it not allowed for the petitioner, but it's also not allowed for related entities, which is important for U.S. petitioners because, uh, you know, if there's a U.S. petitioner that has a subsidiary and they want to move an employee to that subsidiary and maybe that would uh, from their own internal processes result in a lower wage, they have to look carefully at that decision because the last thing they want is USCIS coming back and saying, well, you did this strategically uh, to circumvent this rule. So they have a safeguard in place, but at the same time, it is permissible to just go ahead and pay above wage level four for the purpose of, of gaining an H-1B selection. Right. So will there be a comment period available? Yes. So DHS is accepting comments for this proposed rule until December 2nd. Um, so anybody it's open up to the public can go online uh, and submit a comment you know, talking about what you feel about the rule, uh, suggested changes 
you know, to the process that they're proposing in this rule. And then once that comment period is over, uh, DHS will then review all of the comments and take them into consideration prior to issuing the final rule. Got it. And what's the likelihood of this proposal being finalized? So given the recent election results, uh, I don't anticipate that a Biden administration would proceed with this type of rule. We just may not see that this rule would would come to a final rule. Uh, Also, even notwithstanding that, what we have seen over the past four years under the Trump administration is a lot of litigation for several of the proposed rules, final rules, policies that they've enacted uh, in the immigration field. So I would expect that even if this were to get close to a final rule, um, that we would see significant litigation. So I don't think that it's actually likely at this at this stage that we would see this uh, come to fruition in a final rule. Thank you to Lee Researcher, Con Branch, Assistant Producers Luke Bianco and David White, and music by Brandon Williams. Follow Immigration Nerds on Twitter at IMMNerds and Erickson Immigration Group on LinkedIn to join in the conversation. I'm Ian Gaines. See you next week.